God gave us um, other than air to breathe and ability to live, right? Work is supposed to be a very good thing in our lives. But we also learned that the good gift of work is now under a curse because of sin. So work that was supposed to be a real pleasure, didn't was supposed to have all kinds of blood, sweat, and tears associated with it, is now riddled with complications and difficulties and frustrations and obstacles. And if we're not careful, work can threaten to consume us and define our entire worth. And the third thing we talked about with regard to work is we're not just talking about what you do to earn a paycheck. So if you are a stay-at-home parent, if you are a student, if you are retired, you and I are still supposed to be engaged in an effort with God to make something great of this place in, in terms of the kingdom of God. So those are the three pieces of info just wanted to kind of have in our back, back of our minds kind of running as an operating system as we spring into what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and today is really for anybody who maybe thinks that your work is purposeless or pointless or meaningless or thinks that uh, what you do for a living just doesn't matter. It's a, it's a terrible feeling. I don't know if you've had it. Uh, I've had it on occasion in jobs. Um, sometimes I even wonder about whether I'm making a difference in this job, right? Talked about that a little bit last week. Uh, but before this job, I, I was blessed with a fantastic career at CIA. Lots of great experiences, great mission. But listen, even, even then, can you imagine, despite the great mission that you believe in, how you might get to a place where you wonder whether it even matters. Like I got involved one time um, in sort of the war on drugs through the lens of state actors and governments and criminal elements and uh, terrorist groups who are getting engaged in drug trafficking to make money to fund their activities. Uh, can't really go into more detail than that here, but you know, if you've watched any TV shows, involving drugs or cartels and such, how demoralizing it can be for those who are trying to interdict those kind of things. Uh, even, even though you're interdicting maybe tons and tons of drugs and arresting hundreds of traffickers, you find that far more tons and tons made it through and the tracker, traffickers just get replaced. Even if you destroy one cartel, another one just takes its place. You can easily get to the place where you think, well, Am I, are we making any real difference here? Is this whole thing just kind of pointless? It's not a good feeling. Uh, listen, I, I had a really good friend who was a policeman out in Loudoun County. A super good dude, uh, ran our church's international mission effort, uh, was a great dad, great husband. And then one day, after 27 years of dealing with crime and seeing the things that he saw, something snapped. And despite the millions of dollars that he managed to help get missionaries trained and uh, operating on foreign soil, he was just kind of discouraged, I think, by how many families folded or failed or, or had families completely disintegrate. And no one knows exactly what straw broke uh, the camel's back. But one day he just gets up and he gets in his car and he drives away without a word. The wife and family were completely distraught. He was eventually declared to be a missing person. His son um, used a nationally televised PGA tournament he was playing in 
to make a plea across the nation for anybody that knew where he was uh, to let authorities know. Well, someone in Texas saw that golf show and, uh, in Texas and, and called the cops. The police found this guy and, and asked him if he was okay. And he said, yeah, I'm just traveling. And they said, okay. So they left him there. He wasn't okay. He drove back home. He made it back to Loudoun County where he pulled over, stopped the car and shot himself to death. Now, I hope none of us believes that a policeman with a mission to protect us has a job that doesn't matter. But he didn't leave a note, so we don't know what was going on in his mind. It's just not hard to imagine that no matter what he did as a cop, he would go back to work the next day, dealing with more crime and more death and more heartache and more pain, right? Not hard to imagine how you could conclude that, you know, really my work doesn't really make a difference in the long run. Uh, some of you noted a week or so ago that um, I took my 20-year-old Volvo to the dealer to replace a light because I, I used Facebook to give them a shout out uh, and it ended up on my Facebook page. Um, that's because I have no idea how to put such a thing on, on my Facebook thing without making it on my Facebook page. Anyway, anybody who thinks I'm tech savvy now knows better. Anyway, while I was waiting for that repair, here's the deal. I, I, I was sitting there kind of working on this message. And in the background, there's a bunch of guys standing around and a guy talking. And it's, it's part of a training class they were giving new employees. And this guy, I don't know where he's from. Uh, maybe he's from corporate. I don't know. He's just talking about the vision and the company as if working there was like the most important thing you could possibly do. It was actually kind of inspiring to think that these young folks standing there in this class would one day maybe walk in to the job at that Volvo dealership thinking that their work really mattered. Now, how long that's gonna last, I don't know, uh, I reckon, but it'd be great if it were true, right? But listening to this Volvo training guy and then working on this message, it took me back to a story I heard once during an interview with a fellow that I ultimately hired at CIA. He, he happened to be a Christian, but he, he had worked some time at Starbucks back in the day. And what he told me fits so well with this series, so I'm going to use it. This guy's name, Dave, was uh, working at Starbucks, and he felt he had some great things in his future that, was, that wasn't Starbucks, right? He would eventually graduate top of his class from Harvard Law School, ended up working for a top law firm in New York to pay off his student debt, and then came to CIA for the job he really wanted. But early on, he was kind of stuck there at Starbucks for this uh, season of life and not, and not real happy about it. So he kind of acknowledged in the interview that he had a really bad attitude. But then one day, the Starbucks regional manager shows up for a mandatory training class for all the employees. Now, mandatory training, that's what you want as an instructor, isn't it? A classroom full of people who don't wanna be there and are determined they are not gonna learn a single thing because the whole day is just a waste of time, right? So, well, what was interesting was, is at the end of the training period, Dave says, look, I couldn't remember the regional manager's name. I don't even have any idea what the training day was all about. But what he did remember was something that she said off the cuff as he, she was packing up her things to leave. And he tells me that what she said completely changed the way he saw his job. So she's stuffing material into her briefcase. 
to get ready to go. And she's just sort of all of a sudden just kind of pauses and look, kind of looks off into space. And then she kind of comes back down to earth and she says, okay, listen, guys, I'm going to tell you why you are so important to me. I'm going to tell you why you are important to your community. And then Dave says, she said one sentence that he thought about every single day he went to work at Starbucks after that. Here's what she said. Look, you don't serve coffee. You serve people. And then she went on to give this elaborate, inspiring, beautiful vision around why working at Starbucks wasn't a total waste of time. Maybe it's actually important. She said this. She goes, listen, every person comes in to Starbucks has a really, really uh, very real life. It's the single mom. And she's got a one hour break between her first job and her second job. And this coffee is the only chance she has to kind of collect herself. Or this coffee is gonna go into the hands of a dude who's half asleep because he's working 80 hour weeks. He's trying to get his app off the ground and running. And we're helping him wake up and get to work so he can see his dreams come true. Just people are having their first dates in your store here. And later, they're gonna be happily married with kids. People are gonna come in here to celebrate and to cope and to get to work. And they come here to get a break. And she just kept saying that same sentence over and over. He said, he said, you don't serve coffee, you serve people. And Dave told me it was like this gal was seeing serving coffee as her rescuing the world. And then after that, she pauses and goes, okay, sell our seasonal muffins, goodbye. <laughs> and then she disappears. Dave said, look, he still had to work at Starbucks for months after that. And he knew it wasn't what he wanted to do as a long-term career, right? It was still no fun waking up at 3 a.m. every day to get to work. He says, but he, he says, here's what the deal was. I, I just didn't dread it anymore. This regional manager gave him a reason to be at work that was bigger than just selling coffee or just making minimum wage. He wasn't serving coffee. He wasn't just serving himself. He was serving people. And Dave told me, even though he didn't realize it at the time, and that he had no idea whether this regional manager was a Christian, that what, what she said seemed to him to be like a very real Jesus-like vision for how to go to work. And as I thought about that and what he said, I think that same Jesus-like vision applies to you and me in whatever work we have right now. Like last week, we talked about how work matters, that the general concept of work matters to God, matters to the world. Today, what I want to drive home is that what you do at work matters, like specifically your job. It matters to the world and it matters to God. But here's, here's the thing. I don't think we usually see it that way, do we? And, and typically the reason we don't see it that way is because we have a great tendency as humans to categorize stuff. We have compartments that we put our lives into. There's nothing wrong with that, I guess. It's sort of normal. We go, well, there are things I would do over here for my physical health, and there's things I do over here for my mental health. There are categories, right? There's things I do out of a sense of responsibility. I know I should do them. And then there are things over here I do that I just want to do because they're fun. But I think one of the categories that's not particularly helpful for us is this, and I think we do it all the time. We go, this stuff over here, this is Jesus stuff. And this stuff over here, that's not Jesus stuff. And what we mean by that is that there's stuff like, you know, praying and reading your Bibles and volunteering at homeless shelters and going to church like we're doing now. That, that's Jesus stuff. 
Then over here, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's not Jesus stuff because, you know, I'm just cooking dinner or I'm just paying the bills or I'm just changing diapers or I'm just catching up on my favorite TV show. That, that's not Jesus stuff. But I think you can see without too much difficulty, even if you're not a math expert, that, that the problem of taking our lives and separating it into categories of Jesus stuff and not Jesus stuff is that, is that by far the overwhelming majority of our lives are going to fit into the not Jesus stuff category. I mean, think about it. How much time do you spend praying, reading your Bible, holding baby lambs, talking to Jesus like Jesus, talking to children like Jesus did, right? How much time do you spend doing Jesus stuff Virtually, virtually everything else you do, that's, you got to take care of it in this life, which far outweighs all the Jesus stuff. And I think what happens if we buy into that lie, and it's kind of a subconscious thing I don't even think we realize we're doing, is that we, we tend to imagine that there's just this tiny little bit, uh, subsection of our life, that's what Jesus cares about. I mean, he's deeply invested, and he's cheering us on in that little tiny subsection, and then there's this massive section of our life that's not Jesus stuff. And Jesus is kind of going, man, whatever, just, just do your thing, take care of business. I, I think it's a bad way of viewing our world. And I think it's a horrific way of viewing our lives and how we spend our time. Because what we do when we buy into those compartments is we take this massive worldwide global thing called the kingdom of God, the, the with, with God kind of life we're supposed to have, and we shrink it down to like the one hour we sit in our seats on Sunday. And I think our lives, from God's perspective, is far bigger than that. So what does this all have to do with work? Well, if we buy into the concept of Jesus stuff and not Jesus stuff, we usually buy into one or two lies about work. One, work is not about Jesus. Jesus, not Jesus stuff. And maybe this is what it looks like for you. Like on the weekend, you're here at church, you're all in, right? State theater, when we go there, you set up. You greet, you help make people feel welcome, you pray for the service maybe, you tear things down at the end, you sing songs, maybe even raise your hands, you listen to the message, maybe you take notes, maybe you even bring a Bible, right? Maybe you drop stuff off in the boxes on your way out, you're all in. But then Monday, rolls around, you, you just go to the office. You go there and you take care of business. Just like everyone else does who doesn't even believe in the God you believe in. Or you go home because you're a stay-at-home parent. And you're just taking care of business, like every other stay-at-home parent who does their thing who don't believe in God. You get up on Monday and you head to the clinic, you head to the bank, you head to the construction site, to the cash register. You take care of business like everyone else who doesn't believe anything that you believe in the God you believe in. You get no grand vision or purpose for why your job is more important than just making a little bit of extra money. And when we tell ourselves that, you know, I'm not really doing Jesus stuff, I'm just selling shoes for a living, I'm just balancing accounts for a living, I'm just going door to door for a living, I'm just taking care of business, it's not really Jesus stuff. When we do that, I think it's easy for malaise to set in, for boredom to set in. It's why you can end up thinking your work really is pointless and meaningless and purposeless. It's how you can get to the point where you think you're spending a quarter of your awake time in life doing something that doesn't really matter that much. Why? Because it's not really Jesus stuff. I think that's the first lie we buy into. Work isn't Jesus stuff. But I think the second lie is a little bit like the first with a little bit of a twist. We believe that some work is Jesus stuff. 
but only if it's overtly Christian. So we believe that the only way that our 90,000 hours of work can matter to God or matter to the world is if we're doing something specifically Christian. Like you, you got to go to work at a church and be a pastor like me or a missionary or start a nonprofit. As if that's the only way not to waste the 90,000 hours of your life. So we tell ourselves, yeah, I'm a musician, but I got to make specifically Christian music. Yeah, I'm a teacher, but I have to work at a Christian school. I own a business, but I got to put a fish on my business card. None of those things are bad. It's just, I think, screwed up a little bit to think that that's the only way your 90,000 hours of life called work is going to matter to God and matter to the world and matter to you. So it's when we begin to slip into our work not being Jesus stuff that we conclude things aren't that important there. And it doesn't really have a lasting impact. We're just taking care of business like everybody in the world who's lost does. But I think the bummer is that the conclusion couldn't be further from the truth that we actually see in Scripture. And thank you, Tracy, for reading those passages. In the Bible, God drives home the point that every single aspect of our life is Jesus stuff, including our job right? and our dog. Right, Michelle? This is summed up really neatly in the uh, passage that uh, Michelle read out of Colossians. Paul writes this, and interestingly enough, in this passage, Paul is writing about work. He's writing about the employee-employer relationship. He says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord. Not for me, Paul says, you're not working for me, working for the Lord, since you know that you will receive an inheritance, not from me, Paul, but from the Lord as a reward. It's Christ that you're serving. Passage says, whatever job you have, work at it with all your heart. Give it the full nine yards. Put yourself into it as if Jesus himself were your boss. Work at your job as if you genuinely understand that your job is Jesus stuff. Again, we want to argue that right off the bat. And I get that because it doesn't compute immediately for us, right? We go, how, how in the world could my stuff my job be Jesus stuff. I just repair roofs or I manage a warehouse. I just clean people's houses. Yeah, that's what you do to make a paycheck maybe, but it's also Jesus stuff. Why do I say that? Well, let's just look at the kind of stuff that Jesus does. One of my favorite summaries of who Jesus is and what he's all about, we find in the passage in Matthew that Tracy read. And uh, this, this verse basically tells us Jesus's vision uh, statement for life, right? Um, starting in Matthew 2, it says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man, which is Jesus' name, he calls himself um, in Matthew. He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus starts off by saying that the most important thing you can do with your life is serve other people. You serve God by serving other people. So he says, serve other people like I serve other people. That's Jesus' vision statement. And that's crazy because this is God talking to us. And our God just told us, hey, I didn't come here for you guys to serve and attend to me. I came here to serve and attend to you for your good. And that's pretty much, isn't it, what we see Jesus doing in the years that he spent here as a human. His career as a carpenter, his career as a teacher, his different roles as a son, as a friend, as a miracle worker, or a social activist, and ultimately Messiah. In all those roles, we see him serving people. 
And in the verse we just read, he says, now I want you to join me. If you're going to follow me, you're going to join me in that kind of life. If you want to serve me, you're going to serve other people like I've served other people. And that's why your job is Jesus stuff. Because whether we understand it or not, and I hope we do by the time we sign off today, work is one of the ways that we serve other people. It's one of the ways we serve each other. That is what your job is all about. Now, <clears throat> this may sound like some wacky idealism, right? It's just a, a cute way of thinking about your job. But I think it's more than that. I think it's realistic. And I'll explain that. <clears throat> Imagine what our country would look like if everyone in America just stopped working. You probably don't have to imagine too hard given the major shutdown that the pandemic caused. But listen, there were still businesses that were going, right? There were essential businesses, they were called, right? There were still hospitals. There were still doctors. There were still nurses. There were still policemen, except in Portland, and firemen, and Dominion Energy, and Washington Gas, and the Post Office, and Amazon, and FedEx, and Verizon, and Comcast, and grocery stores, okay? Not everything shut down. So just take what happened to America and put it on steroids, where everything stopped. Everybody stopped working. It'd be fun for like 30 minutes. You got free time for 30 minutes, but then all of a sudden, then what are you going to do? No one's working on your favorite TV show, right? One of the most anticipated shows of the year, Fargo, was supposed to come out in eight, 19 April. They had eight of 10 episodes in the can, but had to suspend production because of the coronavirus. That's just that show. But imagine that no one's making shows. Imagine no one's working on cable or that Netflix works or Hulu works or Amazon Prime works or Disney does, Plus doesn't work, right? No one's working at your favorite restaurant. No movie theater employees. If no one worked in America, there would be nothing to do. Couldn't drive anywhere because you couldn't get gas. Couldn't fly anywhere because, hey, no pilots. In a matter of days, our nation resembled a post-disaster landscape. I read this article that actually fascinated me that asked the question, what would happen in there if everyone in America stopped working for a week? And the conclusion was that within days, it would look like the apocalypse had happened. No electricity, no communication, no water pumped to your house, no waste treatment. None of that stuff would exist. No natural gas supply. Pretty quickly, you could only travel as far as you could walk, run, or bike, right? Fires would burn themselves out, no fire department. Criminal activity would skyrocket, no police force, no National Guard, no military. National security for the country would be a ticking time bomb. Get in a car wreck, good luck to you. No doctors, no hospitals, no ambulance. Hungry, good luck. No grocery stores, no shipping, no planting, harvesting food. Government offices are closed, no info, no services coming from them. Be a disaster. The truth is that the only difference between our thriving culture and economy that we live in today and whatever you're going to do for the rest of your Sunday after we close off of this, the only difference between that and the apocalyptic walking dead scenario is work. It's hundreds of millions of people serving one another through their careers and keeping this place afloat. The fact that we can connect on this Zoom call and sit comfortably and have church and talk about what God has to say about work is only made possible because millions of people working to serve us. It took people working to make your computer and the electricity to charge it or your phone. You have to go somewhere later, say the grocery store, 
It took lots of people to make the car that you drive and the people to find and process the oil and turn it into gas that you'll use to drive there. It took people to plant and grow and cut down the trees to make the lumber and others to make the bricks and the pipes and the wires and the plumbing and others to put it all together to build the store. It took thousands to plant and harvest and grow and process and ship and load and unload the food and put it on the shelves for you to find. Listen, here's what I'm trying to say. Jesus says that every now and then, it might serve us well to zoom out, step out of the little cubicles that we live in and look at the big picture and the big picture vision of why you are working and why it's important is that you are serving the world through what you do. Work is one of the ways that we serve each other. And that is why your job is Jesus stuff. And before you think that this is all theory, here's just a practical picture of what this looks like in reality. A few years ago, uh, we had a major water line break in our front yard. Turns out that the homeowner's policy that we have, which we thought covered our property, doesn't cover all of it. The water line from the main to the house is not covered. So if something happens there, it's, it's on us to pay for it. So the town of Herning that alerted me to the problem I had a lot more water usage than I was actually using, I uh, said, they, they sort of told me, I said, okay, great, who, who do I get to fix this? And, I, and they go, well, we, we can't possibly give you a, a recommendation on that. I go, what? You, 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 you guys, this happens all over the town, I'm sure. You probably know that there's good, good firms out there. Well, they didn't want to tell me the name of anybody I should call because they were afraid that if I didn't like the result of the, the work, that I would, I would sue the, the town for giving me a bad recommendation. But because of CIA, I used my finely tuned elicitation skills and got the name of a company, right? Uh, they shut up with radar to find the leak. They brought this snake stuff to root around. Now, most places just come in with a backhoe and dig your whole yard up. These guys didn't. They dug a little hole right by the water main, and then they found out where the exact link uh, 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 break was, and they dug a little hole over that. And then they snaked new piping through the existing broken water line, connected everything to the house with new spigots. Then they repaired the two little holes in the yard. And when they left, you could not even tell that they had been there. So here's what I'm thinking about. I'm a pastor, right? I get paid to teach and counsel and help people and myself deal with the messes of life. And if I'm any good at it, maybe people at the end of it are better off than they were. But I think about what that plumbing team did for me. They took a mess in my life. They came in and they served me. And when they left, my life was better for it. And if that plumbing service knew that what they were doing was Jesus stuff, they would know that their job was a ministry just like mine. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to get us to see, that we need to look at that way of working as the correct way, that every job is Jesus stuff. Why? Because every job serves people and serves the world. Your job is Jesus stuff. So I hope that most of us are not kind of beginning to connect the dots. Most of us are kind of thinking, well, that's, that's kind of cool. That's a neat way of viewing my job. I, ne I never thought about it that way. But the trick is not just knowing that what you do for work matters. It's that your work is actually Jesus stuff. The trick is operating out of that place. Operating out of the place where, as Jesus says, you do what you do with all of your heart, knowing that you're serving God by serving the world around you. So how do we latch on to Jesus' vision of work, serving the world? Um, how do we do this so we 
don't end up thinking our jobs are pointless or purposeless. How do we think of it as a ministry? Um, I think the regional manager from Starbucks had the right idea. You don't serve coffee, you serve people. And that can change our daily day, day to day happiness. Well, here's an idea. Here's, here's something you can work on. Uh, you can work on it today or later this week that might help your 90,000 hours of work feel uh, fruitful and exciting as important maybe as they really are from Jesus' perspective. And the exercise is this, to write down a vision statement for your job. And I know what you're thinking, Dwayne, that sounds stupid, it sounds crazy. Well, listen, Jesus had one. Here's what he said. I came to serve many, not to be served. I came to serve many, not to be served. And he was never distracted from that. The Bible says this, that Jesus came and he set his face toward the cross. That is, nothing that was ever going to happen in this lifetime would ever deter him from accomplishing going to the cross. He had a vision statement for his job. Why don't we? So here, here's, here's, what, here's what I suggest. Finish this sentence. At work, or by what I do, at work, I serve people by fill in the blank. At work, I serve people by fill in the blank. I think that Jesus' vision of work being our way of serving the world is maybe the accurate vision of work, of work which, means, which means I believe, no, you, you don't just sell cars at Volvo. I believe that Jesus wants to use you to serve people by selling cars to help them get where they need to go. You get them to work and to school and to the hospital on time. So well done. And thank you for your service. No, you don't just work in IT. You serve people by keeping them connected to one another. Businesses float or sink based on how well you do your job. Families and friends can talk to one another from across the world because of you. So well, well done. And thank you for your service. And no, you don't just repair shingles. Jesus uses you to help people by literally keeping a roof over their head. It's one of the three things that we need to survive on the planet, right? Food, shelter, clothing. So well done, and thank you for your service. So what is your vision statement for your job or what you do? I, I did this for myself, right? I, I filled in the blank for me. Here's what it is. I serve God by making God's word understandable, engaging and practicable. I serve people by doing that. I don't hit the target every time, but I'm trying. I want to take this book that a lot of people see as stuffy or irrelevant or confusing and show you that none of it is that way. It's actually life-giving and exciting and relevant and filled with the words of God who loves us and what's good for us. And this vision statement has actually helped me in the last few weeks to avoid distractions, right? When I work, I can remember that I'm serving that purpose, serving that mission. It's helped me on days when I think work sucks and I want to tap out because it seems pointless. I talked about that a little bit last week. More important, it's given me a vision for why my job is more than just a paycheck. It's given me a target to set my face toward. That's mine, but what would yours be? At work, I serve people by. So as we close this out today, I do need to say this. Work is still gonna be hard, and it's still gonna be difficult, and it's still gonna be complicated, and there's still gonna be obstacles. That was last week. Work is a gift, but it's gonna be difficult. And uh, here's the truth. I don't think anybody would disagree with me. If your job is hard and complicated and difficult and has obstacles and it's pointless, that's just utterly exhausting and defeating. That leads to 90,000 hours of your life watching the minute hand on the clock. On the other hand, 
if work is hard and complicated and difficult and there are obstacles, but it's also Jesus stuff that he's using you to serve others through what you do, maybe God can use that vision to breathe some much needed dignity and life back into your job and career. Maybe those hours aren't as pointless as you thought they were. So let's do this. I'm gonna pray for us, but I want you to hear this. According to the way that Jesus looks at the world, and I believe that the way Jesus looks at the world is the way we're supposed to look at the world, but the way he looks at the world is that this creation project works best when everybody shows up every single week, Monday through Friday, nine to five, and we serve each other through our careers. That's his vision for work as Christians, right? We can grasp that vision and operate out of that place where we understand how we're serving the world by serving others. Then I really do believe it gives new life to something we've heard before in scripture, that there's gonna be a day when you and I stand before Christ, and he's going to say some words that we've heard him say before, but we maybe never put it in the context of work. When we hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. You were a good and faithful CEO. You were a good and faithful parent. You were a good and faithful salesman. You were a good and faithful accountant or admin assistant or hopefully pastor. He'll look at you and say, well done and thank you for your service, but it starts with us catching that vision that he gives us, so write it out. If you're having trouble figuring out how your job serves others, I'll tell you what, ask your friends, ask your spouse, because sometimes other people can see the importance of what you do, sometimes more than we can. To figure it out, how are you serving the world through your work? The next week, what we're gonna do is come back and add a next step. We're gonna talk about how you act at work matters. So let me pray for us. God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you for giving us hope for the 90,000 hours of time we will spend on this planet working. Uh, that it's not a wasted effort. That you created work for us to do. You intended for it to be a blessing to us, a gift to us. And yeah, sin has screwed it up. But you can bring life back into it. Help us to see our time on this planet at work, fulfilling the great destiny of making something great of this place, propelling God's kingdom forward. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.